I'm glad you sang that song last. That's what I'm going to be sharing on today is the faith of Jesus, right? Paul said, when you're faithless, he's faithful. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're, we're leaning on the faith of Jesus to get this thing done, right? All right, let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to jump right into this. Um, I'm going to be talking on wholeness today. Again, I begin to hear this word, this term in my spirit, the end of last year. And uh, uh, I really feel like this is something the Lord wants to do in the body of Christ, is, is uh, manifest uh, his wholeness in our lives. And so I want to talk about that today. Uh, I also want to invite you guys to come out during the weekly sets. Um, th- this is a house of prayer, so we spend a lot of time in prayer around here, a lot of time in worship We don't believe prayer is a ministry. We believe prayer is the ministry, right? And so that's what we give ourselves to here at the House of Prayer is worship and prayer and those two together. Uh, And so we do that on Monday and Wednesday from 6 to 8. We have four live sets where we just worship um, and we, we, we get his heart and we begin to ask for things that's on his heart. So right now we're really targeting wholeness. And uh, we're we're using some of these verses I'll be talking about today. But um, uh, Wednesday night, we've really been going after it for families, wholeness in families, peace in families. And uh, we've been fasting, calling fast every Wednesday to fast and pray uh, throughout the day. And then we come together at 6 p.m., uh, 6 to 8, to to just agree with him and, and, and ask him to establish wholeness in our families. How many want to see more wholeness in your lives, right? More manifest wholeness, right? We all want to see that. Everybody does. And so um, I, I want to come from, from the angle today. I want to say this phrase on the very front end, and I want this to get in your mind and in your spirit today. And it is that you are already whole. Some of us just don't know it. Everyone in this room is already whole the issue is us, is, is us trying to find out that we're actually whole, okay? And it's an inward reality, okay? And I'm going to show you here in a couple verses what I mean by that, is that you are already whole in him. If he lives in you, and if Jesus is perfectly whole, how many would say Jesus is perfectly whole? Yeah. And he defines who we are, and he lives in us, then wouldn't that just logically mean that we are whole? Amen? And so I hope today to convince you that you are already whole, and the journey of faith is us trying to discover how whole we are and live that out. And it takes spiritual eyes to see this. This is not a natural thing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Yeah. It's a kingdom inward reality. Yeah. You're called to live from the inside out, yeah. not the outside in. Yeah. The world's trying to convince you that you live by the exteriors, the size of your house, the, 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 how, how, you know, what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of job you have. That defines who you are. Jesus comes to blow that whole thing up and say you actually are defined by who you are as a spirit, perfectly whole in the spirit, who then defines your soul, then your 
soul plays out through your body. It's an inward to outward reality. Amen? And what the Bible says, what the Father says is true about us on the inside must begin to play out, and that is what I would call manifest wholeness. And the, the quicker that we become convinced that we are whole on the inside by what Jesus, the whole one, has done, then we will begin to believe it and receive it and begin to walk it out day to day. And that is what Romans says, the earth is groaning for sons who are led by the Spirit. They're crying out for you and me to come alive to the truth that we are whole and complete in him. The earth is groaning, not for a better economy, not for a better president. They're not crying out for better politics. They're not crying out for, you know, for all of this stuff that we think that really dictates who we are. They're crying out for sons and daughters to come alive to who the Father says they are. Says they're groaning. Every time you hear a thunderstorm, I want you to think, oh, they're crying out for me to come alive. There's a groaning in the earth waiting for me, crying out for me to step into what he says about me, which he says, I'm whole. I'm whole. I'm complete in him. And Holy Spirit's saying, hey, do you even know how free you are? Free indeed. Because when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Yes. That truth is the word aletheia. It actually means his reality. When you know his reality, then you become more free. Amen. That word free is a progressive term. In the Greek, it actually means to become more free, 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 more free from glory to glory to glory. When you understand his reality, when you begin to see through his faith, through his lens, through his perspective, you become more free and more free and more free and more free and more free. Okay, let's read Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. I, I, I imagine myself sitting down this week teaching this, so I'm going to do my best to sit down unless Holy Spirit pulls me up and says, walk around, we'll walk around. So anyway, uh, it, it said that Jesus, when he taught, he, ta he sat. So I figured if Jesus sat and taught, I can teach and, <laughs> and, and sit down as well. So it's good. Okay, Colossians chapter 2. Um, actually, let me read two verses to start this. Rekai, throw up Third John chapter 1. Verse 2, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. That's speaking of wholeness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24 says, Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. See, I love this because I think holiness can't be accomplished unless you're whole. We thought holiness was about what you wore and even how you behaved. When I think it's more about what you believe to be true about who you are. Are you whole in your perspective? That will produce what the Bible would call holiness. Be ye holy, 
for he is holy. And may your entire being, wholeness, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Speaking of wholeness. So let's go to Colossians chapter 2 where I told you to go. We're going to really springboard out of this. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For he is the complete fullness of deity in human form. And our own completeness is found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. Did y'all see that? Let's read that again. We are completely filled. Look at your neighbor and say, you're full of it. <laughs> we are completely filled, filled with God. That's your new phrase for the day. That's all you'll remember that I said today. You will leave going, the pastor said, we are full of it. I want to go to that church. <laughs> we are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows, are y'all hearing this? Yeah. Within us, he is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. I, amen to that. Amen. We need to read that again. Our own completeness is found in him. We are. Somebody say, we are. Beloved, I'm not waiting to die to become whole. See, we've preached that we've got to die in order to become whole. We've got to die in order to go to heaven to become whole. Well, if that's true, then that makes death the Lord, not Jesus. If we say that death is what initiates the kingdom life, the abundant life, then we're saying that death is actually what brings us into abundant life. When Jesus says, I am resurrection, I am life, he's Lord, so therefore he defines, and what he said was the kingdom of God is now. Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God. You're looking all around for the kingdom. You're looking in politics and government and Herod and all these other things. When I say the kingdom of God is within you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The kingdom of God is within you. Are y'all hearing this? Yeah. Are you, do you believe this? Yeah. This is lighting my interior world up. There you go. This is the, this is the, the issue of the hour is will we allow the exterior to, in, to, to affect the interior or will we be kingdom people who allow the interior to affect the exterior? There you go. Letting the inward kingdom begin to bleed out into society to where sons and daughters start lighting up the marketplace, to where sons and daughters start lighting up the church, where the sons and daughters start lighting up arts and media and education and all the realms of society. I'm looking for a group. He's looking for a group of sons and daughters who will be convinced that the kingdom of God, all I have need of is living on the inside of me. And I'm going to begin to live from this realm unto that realm. It's what the earth is crying out for. The earth isn't crying out for better exterior. The, world, the, the creation's crying out that you would be fully convinced that you are loved by the Father. And that the same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in you. Oh my God, are you kidding me? This is good news. 
This is the gospel. If your gospel isn't too good to be true, it's probably not the gospel. This is too good to be true. That he puts everything that I need in life and godliness on the inside of me. Really? What? That's crazy. That is my father. Let me read some things to you. I'm going to be reading a lot of notes, so help me today. Act engaged if you're not, okay? In Christ, we're already whole. Therefore, we are, not, we are not working for wholeness. We are working from wholeness. There's a difference. We're not working for wholeness. We're working from wholeness. Do you all see the difference? We just need to engage with his faith to see it and believe it. It takes faith to see this. And if I were to define faith, this is how I would define faith. It would be this. Faith would be seeing and knowing what the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit see and know to be true about you. If I were to define faith, I would define faith by seeing and knowing what the Father, Son, and Spirit see and know to be true about you. Simply, it's discovering what already is. Faith is the discovery of what already is. Our journey, therefore, isn't about making something happen that isn't already true, which I always thought faith was. Our journey is actually about waking up, being enlightened to what they have always known to be true. And this is why we pray Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 so much. Where Paul says, for this reason, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of of Jesus. Somebody say the knowledge of Jesus. Now I want in your mind, when you say that knowledge of Jesus, and I want to help us understand this, is I often thought that knowledge of Jesus was, was actually learned or cultivated through knowing more about Jesus. In other words, I always thought that the knowledge, growing in the knowledge of Jesus was about me reading the Gospels more and more, which, which is, there's a lot to be said that's great about that. I, yes, read the Gospels, read the Bible. But I always thought it was just that. I always thought the knowledge of Jesus, increasing the knowledge of Jesus, read your Bible more, right? Learn more about Jesus. That's a, that's a Greek mindset. We're, we're all, we all have platonic influence on our life, and it's platonic influence, a Greek, mytho, Greek mythology, or even thought, or uh, uh, anyway. It was, the Greek mindset was to teach, and the Roman mindset even, was to teach that knowledge was gained through study and intellect. So the smarter you were, the more you knew, the more you knew, the more influence you had in that kingdom. But the kingdom of God is different. 
The kingdom of God, the know that Jesus uses, is not an intellectual knowing, it's a heart connect. It's a face-to-face intimacy. It's, it's how Adam knew Eve. It's how, it's, how, it's how Genesis tells us that this person begot that because they knew one another. It speaks of intimacy, not intellect. And so, biblically, in kingdom Knowledge is gained through intimacy and fellowship, not reading a book. Now, reading a book can be unto knowing that person, right, intimately, but it would be absurd for me to marry Misty 21 years ago and at the altar depart and say, Misty, would you give me a book about yourself so I can know you? You know, every, every, so week, every week or two, send me a little letter about things that you like so I can know you. Right? That's absurd. We all know that. No, I know Misty. I know Misty. I know her. We've been married two decades, 21 years. I know this woman. I know her to the point. She knows me to the point that she'll finish my sentences. She knows what I'm thinking. She knows when I'm, you know, in a funk. I know none of y'all ever get in a funk, but I do. Robbie, what's wrong? I can see it in your eyes. Okay. She knows me. She knows when I'm happy. She knows when I'm fulfilled. She knows me. Why? Because we spent time together. 21 years. She's seen me. She's walked with me. That's kingdom. This is why we pray for the knowledge of Jesus is, is that and I'm seeing this, this, the knowledge of Jesus is not merely about me knowing more about him. It's actually me thinking like him. The knowledge of Jesus, it's possessive. It's the same knowledge that Jesus has. That's what I'm praying for. In, a, in other words, my prayers are like, they sound like this. Jesus, I want to see what you see. Jesus, I want to know what you know. Jesus, I want your faith. I don't want my faith. My faith is wavering. My faith is dependent on exteriors a lot of times. How many would be truthful enough to say it? My faith is moved by what's going on around me. His isn't because he knows who he is. Jesus was unmoved from who he was because he knew who his father was. He had the eyes to look straight into his father's eyes and see, my father loves me. He's crazy about me. Oh, my God. I think, I think the fire in Jesus' eyes was the fascination of his father. Revelation 1 tells us that he has fire in his eyes. I think that fire is the fire of fascination. He looks at his father and he says, oh, my God, Father, you're fascinated with me. And then in turn... He responds to the Father with fascination. Oh, my God. I'm getting messed up as I talk about it right now, just thinking about the fascination of Jesus and his Father. I'm staying seated, too. Good job, Robbie. I'm moving. I feel like a record. Run around. I'm going to throw this chair and pick it up and throw it here in a minute. Getting so excited. Okay. This is why we need his faith. Somebody say his faith. His faith. 
Hebrews 12, 2 says, look to him who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him and did the cross, despise the shame, now sits down at the right hand of the Father. It's his faith we need. Our faith is weak. Our faith is unable to accomplish anything that he wants to accomplish. At least mine is. This is why Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, he says, when you are faithless, he is faithful. In other words, here's good news for you today. This is going to be so comforting to you. His faith trumps your faith. My faith has moved. His faith. And I'm going to show you here in a minute. The, the faith of Abraham was actually the faith of Abba. Abraham's faith was actually him believing what God said about him. That was the faith. Discovering what already was. This is going to take a lot of pressure off of us because a lot of us have been taught in order to build faith, you got to read your Bible more. you got to fast more. you got to pray more. you got to do more, do more, do more, do more. And these things are great. Yes, don't get me wrong. I love the Bible. I, lo I don't love to fast. But <laughs> catch myself there. I, I, I embrace the fasted lifestyle. It is, yes, it works. Believe you me, it works. Some of us need to fast. We're in a funk, a spiritual funk, and fasting will help break that stuff off. But, but what I believe, I don't think fasting is, it, it creates anything. I think it just awakens us to something that will already exist. Mm -hmm. yeah. Faith is the discovery of what already is. Yeah. I've told you all this story. I went to Kroger looking for a certain type of bread. My wife likes this bread. It's called 35. It has, it's a white bread, and it only has 35 calories. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I thought white bread was from hell, but praise God, it's been redeemed. 35. I'm looking for this 35 bread. I'm in the bread aisle, Jeff, and I'm looking. Where's this 35 bread? Where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? And I can't find this bread called 35. So I did something contrary to what a man would usually do, and I asked another man for help, right? None of y'all ever stop and ask for directions, right? We got this thing. You'll be in, you'll be in Texas. You're supposed to be in Florida. I'm going to find it, right? But I humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. And I asked that man, I said, dude, where's this bread at? I'm looking for this bread called 35. And he goes, he laughed. He had this little smirk on his face. He goes, it's right there. It was over my shoulder. Right? How many, how many men have ever went to the refrigerator? Honey, where's the ketchup? Can't find the ketchup. She walks in. It's right there in front of your face, Right? That guy said, it's right there. I was in the presence of the bread. It was at my access. It was at within reach, but I failed to see it. Yeah. I needed someone to help me find this bread. Yeah. Check, check. There we go. Yeah. I needed someone to help me find some, some I need someone to help me find what already existed. Was within, was within my reach. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within your reach. Some of us are waiting for a kingdom that's already come. Some of y'all waiting for death to kill you off before you walk in the fullness of life. And I come here to tell you that it already exists on the inside of you. He didn't give you 99% Holy Ghost. He gave you all of Holy Ghost. And Holy Ghost packed his stuff and brought everything he owns into your house. Right? 
Misty knows that when we go on trips, I bring every book I own in my house because I don't want to miss something. Jeff, I'm afraid if I, God speaks to me about faith that I need that book on faith. If he speaks to me about worship, I got to have my book on worship. I don't leave the house with anything. Holy Spirit didn't leave the house without, without bringing everything he owns. And he lives on the inside of you. And it, hey, listen, don't wait to die to discover all of those things in Christ. Well, that was Jesus. Jesus had everything. The fullness of the deity filled him. Well, if you keep reading, the fullness of deity fills you. It doesn't make you Jesus, but it makes you a whole lot like him. That his father would say, I love him just like I love. I love Olivia just like I love my son. He's just, she's just like Jesus. Are y'all with me? Okay, I think I've made it through a paragraph of my notes. Okay, we're going to pray here in a minute. Okay. We need his faith, which is the highest. It's the first, the highest realm of faith. His faith is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. It says, uh, did I give you that one? I'll read it. Don't worry about it, Rekaya. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. There it is. All right, good job. Everybody give Rekaya a hand clap. Where'd he go? I've never seen this before. I've heard it a thousand times. Never seen this. By, by grace, you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. <laughs> this one's going to get me in trouble when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't know how else to say it. Your faith didn't save you. His faith did. Your faith didn't save you. His faith did. Your faith didn't save you. His faith did. I'm just reading scripture. Not as a result of works, what you and I have done. Just got to say the prayer, brother. Got to say that prayer. Say that prayer, boy. Got to say that prayer. Not as a result of works, know that so that no one may boast. <laughs> It's his faith. It's the faith of Jesus. When I'm faithless, he's faithful. Let's go on. Let's keep moving on. Y'all with me? Galatians 2.20. The kids love it. They're getting excited about it back here. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this. My old identity has been crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. Now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered, what's this, by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Many of us have read this verse before. Some of your translations will say, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. But the original translation reads, by faith of 
the Son of God. The life that I now live, I live by faith, not of my own faith. I live by his faith. His faith is what empowers me to live. Does that help you guys some a little bit maybe? It does me. It takes the pressure off from me having to try to work up my faith to a certain point to where I approve, where he approves of me, to where I can get things done if I build my faith. Right? Got to build that faith, brother. Got to get stronger in your faith. I don't, I'm sorry. I can't fast enough. I can't pray enough to get my faith to the level that it needs to be to be able to accept what he's paid for me freely. I'm just learning to actually pray the prayer of Ephesians 1 and surrender to his faith. Let's sit back down. However, what we can do in our participation is pray and surrender to the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, that we may see what he sees, know what he knows. Because faith is actually seeing and knowing what Father, Son, and Spirit see and know to be true. The journey of faith, therefore, isn't about you and me striving to build our own faith independent to the degree that we can get something done or even match his. Faith has its full expression when we see what he sees, know what he knows, and engage with his faith. This kind of faith is what Romans 4 calls those things that are not yet visible as though they are visible, right? I'm going, to read you, I'm going to read you some verses in the mirror translation. Francis Dutrois, the guy from France, Francis Dutrois, wrote this. It's a, it's a, it's a paraphrase of, of the New Testament in, in, in Romans 4. Uh, this is what he writes about Romans 4. Verse 1, he says, if we look at our father Abraham as an example and we scrutinize his life, would you say that he discovered any reason for placing confidence in the flesh, the flesh through personal contribution? What qualified Abraham to be the father of the nation, I'm sorry, to be the father of the multitudes of nations, he asked. Then he goes on to, to, to translate this verse. He's, he's translating this in the Greek. The only part he played was his unwavering belief in God's faith in him. Romans 4, verse 1, he translates it to say, the only part he played was his unwavering belief in God's faith in him. Verse 2, he goes on to translate, if he felt that his friendship with God was a reward for good behavior, then surely he would have reason to recommend the recipe. Yet it's plain to see that, that, that it was all God's initiative from start to finish. Verse 3, Scripture is clear. Listen to this. Abraham believed what God believed about him. And that concluded his righteousness. Abraham believed what God believed about him, and that concluded his righteousness. Verse 16, let's skip down to verse 16. Therefore, since faith sponsors the gift of grace, the, promises, the promise is equally secured for all the children. The law has no exclusive claim on anyone. Faith is our source 
And that makes Abraham our father. Verse 17. Watch this. This is so good. When God changed Abram's name to Abraham, he made a public statement that he would be the father of all nations. Here we see Abraham faced with God's faith. God's faith. The kind of faith that resurrects the dead and calls things which are not visible yet as though they were. He goes on to give commentary. Now listen to this. I told you I'd be reading a lot of of notes. Note that most of Abraham's ancestors were already fathers by the time they turned 30 or 35. So if you read Genesis 11, you can read about 15 verses. It talks about Abraham's ancestors. And it says that, um, I can't remember their names, but his ancestors at age 30, age 34, uh, one was 29, one was 35, And it talks about the age in which they beget Abraham's ancestors. And it's making a notation of the generation up to Abraham. But then it says this about Abraham. It it talks about his his father, Terah, T-E-R-A-H. It breaks the whole rhythm, 30, 35, 34, 29, young people. And it says that Terah was 70 years of age before he had Abram. Let that sink in just for a minute. Everyone else in his family, right? All the Atwoods get married young. (laughs) Dad and mom were 16. Ryan was 18. I was 19. I was the rebel. point is, is we all had a rhythm, a a pattern. We got married young, right? That's the pattern in Abraham's life, Abram's life, was they were all young people. But then something changes. Abraham's father, Terah, is 70. This is the point he makes. His name, Terah, Abram's father, suggests that he acknowledged that he could not claim parenthood of his son. Therefore, Abram was born from above. His father acknowledged that he could not claim parenthood of this son, because he was, he was fathered from, his, from above. His name, Abram, write this down if you're taking notes. His name, Abram, actually means exalted father. Some, some uh, 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 definitions will call him a father from above. Now, Imagine how nervous Abram was when he eventually was 75 and still without child. That was when God met him and added to his name, Ha. 
This was Jehovah's own name. Ha, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. We would say Jehovah, right? God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. I'm not even a Jewish guy. I'm not even, whatever. You get the idea. Changes his name. Adds his name to Abram's name. He's re-identifying Abraham as one who is born from above. It was God's faith. What's the, he goes on to say, in, in, the Arab, uh, in the Arabic, the word raham actually means drizzling and lasting rain. The, enum, the innumerable drops of water in a drizzling rain are like the stars mentioned in Genesis 15, 5, where God tells Abraham, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, so shall your seed be. Now imagine those innumerable stars raining down upon the earth and each one becomes a grain of sand. So shall your seed be. Genesis 2, 22, 17. I will indeed bless you. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sands of the sea which are on the seashore. Abraham's identity, his name was the echo of God's faith and his bold confession in the absence of Isaac. The name change similar to that of Simon to Rock reminds mankind to realize the original identity of you and me as sons of God are ones who are hewn out of the rock. We are ones born from above. It's his faith. It was God's faith that accomplished this in Abraham's life. We need his faith. We need the faith of Jesus. We need to see as he sees. We need to know as he knows. We need to discover what already is. You need to discover. I need to discover how whole you really are, how whole we really are. And I need his faith to discover that. I don't see that. I see my frailty. I see my flaws. I see what's going on around me. But Jesus comes and says, no, 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 no. Just like I identified Abraham, listen, you're not to, you're not to identify with your age. You're not to identify with your dad's age. You're to identify with me and what I say about you. And what I say trumps what you say. My faith trumps your faith. Right? Yeah. The faith of Jesus. It was God's faith that accomplished this. The human race had lost sight of their value in their identity, but Abba never stopped believing. Abba never stopped believing in you. While you were yet sinners, he died for you because he never stopped believing in you. The Father never stopped believing that you were intended for goodness. He never, he never stopped believing that your original identity is goodness, not evil. Right? We have preached original sin, original sin, and you're this, and you're trash, and you're, some theologians will say you're snow-covered dung. 
Thank God for Jesus, who's the snow who covered you because you're dumb and he covered you. And we imagine God's got a black robe with a gavel, but thank God for Jesus, who's our attorney, who fights off the Father's anger and says, listen, listen, Father, just look at me. Don't look at them. Right? We, we, we believe this lie of separation and, and that we're not made in his image. We're not made in original goodness. But I've come to tell you, you were made in his original goodness. You were made in his image and his likeness, and he never stopped believing that. Never, ever stopped believing that. It's his faith that accomplished this. I just need to see through the eyes of Jesus. Deuteronomy 32, 18 says this, Of the rock you, begot, you beget thee. Of the rock that beget thee, you are unmindful. He's saying this about mankind. And you have forgotten that for... You have forgotten God that formed you. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. That word gave you birth is actually the word in many translations, the King James uses the word formed. It's the word H-U-L, whole. It actually means to dance with. You forgot the God who wanted to dance with you. <laughs> right? You forgot the perichoresis. You forgot the circle dance. You forgot that before, before the fall, before the foundation of the world, I was dancing with you, Joel. <laughs> yeah. It was the Father, Son, and the Spirit dancing over his creation. Yeah. What the ancient fathers called the perichoresis, the circle dance of Father, Son, and Spirit. Beloved, this isn't a kingdom like this. This isn't a hierarchy where God the Father is on top and Jesus is down here and then Holy Spirit's the servant taking all the orders. No, it's them walking in such union and love and harmony and peace and them saying, listen, Adam, come out of that, come into this. This is what you were made for. This is what you were made from. I didn't stop believing in you. You were created to dance and I'm gonna cause man one more time to dance again. He's bringing the spin back, beloved. I'm telling you, that's what I heard the father say today. He's bringing the spin back. Some of us have lost our spin because we put our faith in our faith and our ability to, to cause all this stuff. And he says, no, it's my faith in you that produces the spin. Yeah. It's the magnitude of the Father's grace that drew the Son back to his house. It was the magnetic force of the Father's longing heart to bring the Son back into his intended design of dancing and rejoicing and celebration that caused the Son to say, man, I'm missing out. There's got to be something better at my Father's house. And his Father brings him in. He puts a ring on his finger. He puts a rope on his back. He puts sandals on his feet. He says, it's time to celebrate, Son. And he's extending this to the earth. It's time to dance. It's time to dance. I don't care if you're the oldest son or the eldest or the oldest son or the youngest son. He's calling you to dance. 
It's calling you to get back to where you're created to be. Who you're created to be was just a spinner, a dancer. You're called to dance with him in belovedness. You're called to spin in the delight that I am the father's favorite. <laughs> this is what he's doing. He's re-identifying his church. He's given us a new name. And he's saying in that name is a new nature. I mean, he's screaming this to Abraham. This is your identity. I've got to finish up. Ray, if you would, you would come up. Thank you. Mm. We need his faith. We need his eyes. We need, his, we need the knowledge of Jesus. We need to see what he sees. We need to know what he knows.